The Mystical City of God, The Conception, Book 2, Chapter 14, Part 2. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda continues her explanation of the different kinds of divine visions enjoyed by the Queen of Heaven, and the effects which they worked in her. The Abstractive Visions of the Divinity Enjoyed by Most Holy Mary 631 The second kind of divine vision enjoyed by the Queen of Heaven was the abstractive, which is very different and much inferior to the intuitive. It was more frequent in her, though not daily or continual. This kind of knowledge or vision is communicated by the Most High without unveiling himself directly to the created mind, but through a certain veil or species, by means of which he becomes manifest. Because of this intervening medium between the faculty and its object, this kind of vision is very much inferior to the clear and intuitive vision. It does not involve the real presence, though it presupposes it intellectually in an inferior way. Although the creature knows that it is near to the divinity, and discovers the attributes perfections and mysteries, which just like in a mirror of the will, God wishes to show and manifest, yet it does not feel and is not aware of his presence so as to enjoy him with complete fullness. 632. Nevertheless, this is a great rare, and next to the clear vision, a more excellent favor than any other. Although it does not require the light of glory, but only the light appropriate to the species themselves, and not even the ultimate disposition and purification proper to the light of glory. Yet all the other preparations prior to the intuitive vision, must go before it. For by them the soul enters into the waiting room of the house of the eternal God and Lord, Psalm 45 5. The effects of this kind of vision are admirable, for besides the exalted state which it presupposes in the soul and which raises it above itself, Lamentations 3.28, it inebriates the soul, Psalm 35.9, with an ineffable and an inexplicable delight and sweetness, inflaming it with divine love, transforming it and causing a forgetfulness of, and an aversion toward all earthliness and toward itself so that already the soul does not any more live in itself, but in Christ and Christ in it, Galatians 2.20. Besides all this there remains after this vision in the soul a light, which, if not lost by negligence and carelessness, or by some sin, will always accompany it to the highest pinnacle of perfection, teaching it the most secure paths to eternity and resembling the perpetual fire of the sanctuary, Leviticus 6.12, or the beacon light of the citadel of God, Revelations 22 5. 633. These and other effects were caused in our sovereign queen by abstractive vision, and to such an eminent degree, that I cannot give an explanation of my concept in words. But some idea will be obtained, if we consider the condition of that most pure soul, in which there was not the least hindrance, nor lukewarmness, nor the least defect, no indolence or forgetfulness, no negligence or ignorance, nor the least inattention, but in which on the contrary was the fullness of grace and of ardent love, unfailing diligence, perpetual and unceasing praise of the Creator, the utmost solicitude and readiness to give Him glory, and a preparation which allowed the powerful hand of God to operate without opposition or hindrance whatsoever. She was favored with this kind of blessed vision in the first moment of her conception, 
as I have already related before, and will relate afterwards many times in the course of her most holy life. Intellectual Visions and Revelations of the Most Holy Mary 634 The third kind of divine visions and revelations enjoyed by the Most Holy Mary were the intellectual ones. Although abstractive visions or the visions of the divinity may be called intellectual visions, yet for two reasons I have mentioned them especially and placed them in a higher order. First, because the object of the abstractive visions is altogether supreme among intellectual things, whereas the range of these more ordinary intellectual visions extends to many various objects, since they include the material and the spiritual things, and the entire field of intellectual truths and mysteries. The second reason is, because the abstractive visions of the divine essence are brought about by the most exalted and supernaturally infused species or images of the being of God, whereas the common revelations and the intellectual visions take place in diverse ways. Sometimes the intellectual images of the objects revealed are all infused, at other times not necessarily all the subject matter of the revelations is infused. Because then the same species or images, which the imagination or fantasy already possesses are sufficient for the revelation. For the understanding, endowed with a new light and a supernatural power, can apprehend the mysteries of God from imaginary images, as happened with Joseph in Egypt, Genesis 40-41, and with Daniel in Babylon, Daniel 1-24. This kind of revelation was given to David, and next to the knowledge of the essence of the deity, it is the most noble and secure. For neither the demons nor the angels can infuse this supernatural light into the understanding, since they can only cause images and fantasies in the imagination. 635. This form of revelation was common among the holy prophets of the Old and the New Testaments. For the light of perfect prophecy which they possessed, terminated in the understanding of some hidden mystery, and without this intelligence, or intellectual light, they would not have been perfect prophets, nor would they have spoken prophetically. Therefore, they that do or say something prophetical, as for instance Caiaphas, John 11:49-51, and the soldiers refusing to divide the garment of Christ our Lord, John 19:24, although they are urged to these things by divine impulse, they are not prophets in the perfect sense. For they do not speak prophetically, that is with divine intelligence and light. It is even true that the holy prophets, who are prophets in the real sense, and who call themselves seers on account of the interior light by which they see secret things, can perform some prophetic actions without knowing all the mysteries included therein, or even without knowing any of the mysteries. But in such cases they are not to be called prophets in the same sense, as when they prophesy with a supernatural understanding of things. This kind of revelation is of many different grades, which cannot be explained here, and although the Lord can communicate it irrespective of charity, of grace and virtue, yet ordinarily it is accompanied by them, as in the prophets, apostles and the just, and this happens both when he manifests his secrets to them as friends, and also when the intellectual visions or revelations are given for the advantage and greater advancement of those who receive them, as I have said above. 
Therefore these revelations demand a very excellent predisposition in those souls who are to be raised to them, and ordinarily God does not communicate them, except when the soul is in the state of quiet and peace, withdrawn from the earthly things and well-ordered in its faculties for the workings of the divine light. 636. In the Queen of Heaven these intelligences or revelations were vastly different from those which are proper to the saints and prophets. For Her Highness enjoyed them continually, both in habit and in act, whenever she was not enjoying the or more exalted visions of the divinity. Moreover the clearness and the extent of this intellectual light and all its effects were incomparably greater in Most Holy Mary. For of the truths, mysteries and sacraments of the Most High, she knew more than all the holy patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and even more than all the angels combined. And she understood more profoundly and clearly, more faultlessly and securely all that she did know. By means of this intelligence she penetrated to the very being of God and to his attributes as manifested in the very smallest of his works and creatures. Not one of them existed in which she did not perceive the participation of the greatness of the Creator and his divine foresight and providence. Most Holy Mary alone could in the fullest sense say of herself that the Lord had manifested to her the uncertain and occult things of his wisdom, Psalm 50 verse 8, as recorded by the prophet. It is impossible to describe the effects of this intelligence in the Sovereign Lady, this whole history must serve in a manner to declare them. In other souls they are of wonderful advantage and efficacy, for they illuminate in the highest manner the understanding, inflame the will with incredible intensity, they undeceive, disentangle, elevate and spiritualize the creature, and at the same time they seem to lighten and subtilize even the gross and burdened earthly body in holy emulation with the soul. The Queen of Heaven enjoyed in these visions also another privilege, of which however, I will speak in the following chapter. Imaginary Vision of Most Holy Mary, the Queen of Heaven 637. In the fourth place must be mentioned the imaginary visions, which are produced by sensible visions, raised or set in motion in the imagination or fantasy. They represent the object in a material or sensitive manner in the same way as are represented those things we see here touch or taste. By means of this kind of vision the Most High manifested to the prophets of the Old Testament great mysteries and sacraments. Such happened especially with Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah, and under the influence of similar visions, the Apocalypse was written by the evangelist St. John. Since these visions partake so much of the sensible and corporal element, they are much inferior to the ones spoken of under the preceding heading. On this same account the demon can reproduce them in appearance by exciting phantasms of the imagination. He does not however, reproduce them in reality, being the father of lies. Therefore it is necessary to beware of these kind of visions and to examine them in the light of the teachings of the saints, for if the demon perceives any greed toward them in the soul during prayer or devotions, and if God permits, he can easily work deception. Even some saints, though dreading the dangers of such visions, were nevertheless entangled in them by Satan in his assumed light, as is related in their lives for our instruction and warning. 638. 
The one in whom these imaginary visions and revelations were without any danger and entirely secure and divine, was Most Holy Mary, whose interior light could not be obscured or invaded by the astuteness of the serpent. Our Queen was favored with many such visions, for of this kind were those which manifested to her many of the actions of her Most Holy Son while absent, as we shall see in the sequence of her life. She also perceived in imaginary visions many creatures and mysteries, whenever the Most High so dispensed it according to His will and providence. And since this and many benefits received by the Sovereign Princes of Heaven were ordained for Most High ends, not only for the advancement of her own sanctity purity and merits, but also for the advantage of the Church, of which this Great Mother of Grace was to be a teacher and a co-operatrix in redemption. The effects of these visions and her understanding of them were admirable and they were invariably accompanied by incomparable proofs of the glory of God, and of new and increasing gifts and graces in the soul of Most Holy Mary. Of the effects of these visions in other creatures I will speak immediately below, because of these and the next kind of visions, the same can be said as far as their effects where other souls are concerned. Corporeal Visions of Divine Origin Enjoyed by Most Holy Mary 639 The fifth and lowest order of visions and revelations are those which are perceived by the corporeal and exterior senses, and that is the reason why they are called corporeal, although they can be brought about in two different ways. The one kind are truly and properly called corporeal visions, when in a visible and quantitative body some supernatural being appears to the sight or touch, be it God, a saint, or the demon, or a soul, and the like. Such a body being formed for that very purpose by the ministry and power of good or of bad angels from the ether or from the phantasms, which, though it is no true or natural body of the thing represented by it, yet is truly a quantitative body constructed from the ether in external dimensions. The other kind of corporeal visions are such in an improper sense, rather an illusion of the sense of sight. For they are only an image of the object, its coloring, etc., which an angel can make visible by an alteration of the intervening air. The one that sees it thinks that he looks upon a real body actually present, though there is no such body, but only an empty image, by which the senses are imperceptibly fascinated. This kind of illusory visions of the senses is not proper to the good angels nor to divine revelation, although they are possible to God and the angels. Such might have been the voice which Samuel heard. But they are a favorite ruse of the demon, on account of their deceptiveness, especially in regard to the sight. Because the queen never had this kind of visions, I will speak only of the truly corporeal visions, such as she really enjoyed. 640. In the Holy Scriptures are many instances of corporeal visions granted to the saints and patriarchs. Adam saw God represented in the form of an angel, Genesis 3 8. Abraham saw three angels, Genesis 17 1. Moses saw a bush, Exodus 3 2, and many times the Lord Himself. Likewise others who were sinners, have had corporeal or imaginary visions, as for instance Cain, Genesis 4-9, and Belteshazzar, Daniel 5-5, who saw the hand on the wall, then imaginary images. And for instance Pharaoh, 
Genesis 41-2, in the vision of the cows, Nebuchadnezzar, that of the tree in the statue, Daniel 4-7-11, and other recorded in the Holy Scriptures. These instances prove that in order to see corporeal and imaginary vision sanctity is not required in the subject. But it is true nevertheless, that they who obtain such an imaginary or corporeal vision, without receiving any light or intelligence, cannot be called prophets, nor can they be said to receive a true revelation, but only those who receive the necessary understanding of the vision, as Daniel says, Daniel 10:1. Thus Joseph and Daniel were prophets, not however Pharaoh, Belteshazzar, or Nebuchadnezzar. Moreover those are the more important revelation and visions, which are accompanied by a higher intelligence, although, to judge from outward appearances, others may be called higher, namely, those which represent God or the Mother of God, and the saints according to their station. 641. It is certain that in order to receive corporeal visions it is necessary that the senses should be prepared. The imaginary ones are often sent by God in sleep, as for instance in the vision of Joseph, the husband of Most Holy Mary, Matthew 1.20, of the Magi Kings, Matthew 2.12, of Pharaoh, Genesis 41.2, etc. Others can be perceived while the senses are in their full natural activity, this not being repugnant. But the ordinary and co-natural manner of receiving the corporeal as well as the intellectual visions, is during some rapture or ecstasy of the external senses. For in such a state the interior faculties are more collected and prepared for the perception of high and divine things. Yet the exterior senses are apt to be a hindrance less to the intellectual visions than to the imaginary ones, the latter having more affinity for exterior things than the acts of the intellect. Therefore it often happens, whenever the intellectual revelations are not infused species, or when the affections do not suspend the action of the senses, that most high intelligences of great and supernatural mysteries are conferred without the cessation of the activity of the senses. 642. In the Queen of Heaven this happened many times and even frequently. For though she was enraptured during many of the beatific visions, which in ordinary mortals is always required, and also during her intellectual and imaginary visions. Yet, even while she was in the full use of her senses, she received higher revelations and intelligences than all the saints and prophets in their greatest ecstasies. Nor in any wise did her exterior senses disturb her imaginary visions. For the great heart of Mary, so full of wisdom, was not embarrassed by the sentiments of admiration and love, which are wont to take away the sensible activities of the other saints and prophets. This was true of her corporeal visions, as is evident from the Annunciation of the Message by the Archangel Gabriel, Luke 1:18, and although the Evangelists give no other instance in the course of her most holy life, prudent and Catholic judgment cannot doubt that they did happen at other times, for the Queen of the Heavens and of the Angels was to be served by her vassals, as we shall relate later on when we describe the continuous service of her angelic guard and of other angels appearing in corporeal and visible form. It happened also in another way, as we shall see in the following chapter. 643. 
Other souls must be very circumspect and careful in regard to these corporeal visions, since they are subject to dangerous deceptions and illusions coming from the ancient serpent. Those who never seek them avoid a great part of this danger. If the soul is free from such desire and from other disorderly affections, and if then any corporeal or imaginary visions should happen, it must be very cautious before performing and executing that, which is enjoined by those visions, for it is a very bad sign and savoring of the devil's influence, if, without any deliberation or counsel, it immediately believes and obeys. Especially since the good angels, who are our teachers in matters of obedience, truth, prudence and holiness, do not urge such a course of action. There are also other indications and signs, generally accompanying the causes and the effects of such visions, which will securely guide souls as to their truthfulness or their falsity. But I will not enter into these matters, in order not to be led away from my purpose. And besides, I submit myself in these things to the doctors and teachers of the spiritual life. Instruction from the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Queen of Heaven. 644. My daughter, in the enlightenment, which you have received in this chapter, you have a certain rule of action in regard to the visions and revelations of the Lord, and it demands two precautions. The one consists in you subjecting these relations to the examination and the judgment of your confessors and superiors, asking God with a lively faith, that he give them light to understand his divine will and truth to instruct you fully therein. The other consists in questioning your own heart and observing the effects of these revelations and visions, prudently trying to assure yourself against any error. For the divine influence, which accompanies them, will urge and draw you on, inflaming your heart to chaste love and reverence of God, to acknowledgement of your littleness, to abhorrence of the earthly vanities, to desire of being despised by creatures, to joyful suffering, to love of the cross and an earnest and generous acceptation of it. It will move you to seek the last place, to love those that persecute you, to fear and abhor sin, even the slightest, to aspire to the purest, the most perfect and refined in virtue, to deny yourself your own inclinations, and to unite yourself to the highest and truest good. When he thus teaches you the most holy and perfect things of the Christian law and excites you to imitate him and me, then you will have infallible signs of divine truth revealed to you by the Most High in these visions. 645. And in order that you, dearest, may execute this doctrine, which you have received through the kindness of the Most High, do not ever forget it, and do not lose sight of the blessing of having been instructed by him in these things with so much loving caresses. Renounce all human esteem and consolation, all the delight and pleasure of the world. All that your earthly inclinations demand, refuse to yourself, although it may be small and licit in itself. Turn your back on all sensible things, seeking only to love and to suffer. This is the science and divine philosophy taught to you by the visits of the Most High and in it you will feel the force of the divine fire, 
which should never through your fault and your negligence, be allowed to become extinguished in your bosom. Be alert, dilate your heart, gird yourself with fortitude in order to be commissioned with great undertakings and be able to accomplish them. Be constant in your faith regarding these obligations, believing in them, esteeming them and writing them in your soul with a humble and loving affection of your heart, as being sent in faithful solicitude by your spouse and transmitted to you by me, your teacher and mistress.